was going hey, off. Hey, 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 friends, 2022, <laughs> well in, well into 2022, welcome That's to right. Shaken and Disturbed. I am Darren Carp, oh and I'm here with my, with my wife, my adoring mm-hmm. hot wife, uh, Janaea Thrasher. Uh, she's hot. She's beautiful. She's a full-figured gal. My sister's name is Janelle, so you're you were close on the sort of close name there. Oh, okay. So Janaea yeah. and Janelle. Okay. Which I didn't even realize until a couple years ago. I was like, wait a minute. There's John who was born first, and then Janelle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> did my mom realize that? Like, I don't know that she did. We're gonna. How have to, old have to is talk to her. she's a half sister? Technically a half sister, but we've we grew up together, so it's not like. We fight like brother we don't and half sister. like her. We like her. No, fully. we don't. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Okay. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, she's How just a couple she? years younger. She's like oh. thirty-three or something. Oh, yeah. so she's like my age. Oh my God, is she? I'm thirty-three. What year were you born? You're eighty-eight. 80. Oh, okay. So then she's eight. She's thirty-two. She was born in eighty-nine. Wait a minute. Wow. That's freaking me out because she's like my younger sister. I wouldn't think of her. Well, I'm to so be mature. I'm so mature. You are so mature. I'm so remember, mature. I thought you were. Remember, for the first like year of our friendship, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. I just for some reason couldn't wrap my head around like a that your last name wasn't Carpenter. Right. Because God Don't forbid. Don't know why that couldn't. That, God that forbid. Couldn't God forbid. And then B. Didn't I think that you were like so much younger when really you're not? Or was when it really older? we were born like two years apart. A year apart. Um, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I had a hard time with you in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> you really did. You still I really do. Did. Um, yeah, I really did. I don't know if you do this. Maybe we can talk about this more on NMR because we're recording mm-hmm. our uh, normal episode first. But like there used to be a time, and I want to say it was like 2012, 13, 14, when Obviously, I was a lot younger, and I would say that my relationship status was a lot rockier in terms of the mm-hmm. people that I was dating. And I was like 25. I was like a fetus. But mm-hmm. I always was like, it seemed to go for me, and this was kind of a personal life, where it would be like a great year and then a bad year. A great oh, year yeah. and then a bad oh, year. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, are all the odd years good? Or all the even years good? I used to do that. I think I finally got out of it because I finally met the love of my life. And so, oh, like, I don't oh. really, like... It was me, obviously. It, met I didn't want to say it. It was Janaea. Yeah. It was Janaea. And <laughs> she's amazing. Jenea. But 22 is my lucky number. So oh. I'm really hoping that this year's a great year. And I, 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 I hope it for all the radishes, not just for you and I. Not so just, just for you and I, that. yeah. I am so with you. It's so weird. Like the more, it's weird that like we know each other so well, but we continue to learn things about each other. Like even right. things we were talking about before we started recording today. But um, yeah, same with me. I have. I always said that my even number years were way more, for whatever reason, like positive, or maybe it was more specifically that the odd number years for me were just had some more like negatives associated to them. Yeah. Um. But so I'm here we are there in 2022. It's an even number year for me. It's a your best number. It's my favorite. What more number. could we ask for? We're set up to have an amazing year and we're going to spread that into like a virus into the listeners ears except it's going to be like good stuff for them, you know. Yeah, this is the virus we want you to catch. Uh, <laughs> right. the, the, the John catch and this. Darren. Yes. Yeah, please catch right. this. Uh, but right. yes, well we're going to start off 22 uh, obviously, we're going to steamroll right through. But, John, I'm starting this year yeah. off drinking because fuck the New Year's resolutions of people being like, I'm working out. I'm going sober. I used to be sobs. 
for like the month of January, and then That's right, yeah. I did it. I did it like three, three years in a row, maybe. And then yeah. I was like, and I meant. I'm really sober from weed as opposed to liquor because Ooh. I'm just not even a big drinker anyway. So it's like, that would be a right, gift same. if someone was like, you couldn't drink. But <sighs> you know what? I also think that as I get older, I realize the things that really help me make me a better person, the things that I like, the things that I want to yeah. continue yeah, um, yeah. and try not to starve unless I was doing something that was bad for my health um, sure. or something that was bad for like my work ethic. And so I kind of just reoriented my thinking into being like, I, like I understand the value that these things bring to my life and yeah. I enjoy them in moderation. So I'm yeah. going to be drinking uh, in this month and smoking <laughs> You're in like, this month. I am now going to be drinking, everybody. Mama, father is drinking. Well, I do. I started, I ended last year drinking that sour beer, that Persian sour beer yeah. back home uh, brewery. And I, I've been into sour beers and it's a good kind of drink to kind of just keep trying different stuff. And it also mm -hmm. makes me a little less shit-faced uh, after the show <laughs> when I have to do more work. So today right. I'm also going to be having a beer. Um, hold on. I like that. Oh, uh, you this, didn't even open it yet. You were showing me the can before. We I was started, showing you the can. Know. This can is really cool. It's got it's like pink. It's pink. It's got like cloud emojis yeah. of different things. It's really the stoner sour beer. It's called Vape <laughs> Tricks. And oh, there you go. Prairie Artisan Ales. It's sour ale aged on aged on, not in, aged on cherries, unclear. And it okay. is five point nine percent alcohol oh by volume. Boy. And oh I just want to shout out your friend Annie, who Annie. I know listens to this show, because uh, yes. she, via you, sent me yeah. a picture, again, via you, of mm -hmm. the sour beer that she accidentally bought uh, right. and, and kind of got into. And that was like, what, 6.2, 6.8? I haven't caught up with Annie. She could be in a in a gutter somewhere. She I had, had no idea. She had one of them. I knew she was getting shit faced. So I I'm should starting check this in off with, her. with a yeah. check in. Tell her I said yeah. hi. But I am going to start off with my vape tricks prairie artisan ale sour beer today. And, and cheersing uh, to Annie at the top of the new year. And right? cheersing to Annie. But I don't want to drink yet until I find out what you are imbibing. Well, listen. Here's oh, the thing. Here we go. Here we I go. I should. You know. Cheers it's, to it's myself. It's an after work night. We're recording this episode. I just thought, let me take it a little bit easy because the holidays happened. Let me just tell you, I've been in some hot tubs with friends drinking Ooh. wine a little more than I would like to. So today I'm just drinking water. I want to keep my voice nice and fresh as well. Um, this goes. This is a shout out to everyone who um, is dry or sober. I will yes. represent you on this week's episode while Darren is getting drunk on her 5.6 nine, sour nine, beer. 5.9? Nine. Even worse. Sour beer. Yes. Um, but by the way, my friend Annie will be so delighted to know that the first cheers of the new year is for her, Darren. So thank you for that. Well, cheers to Annie, to you, to our radishes. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully a lucky year for all of us out there. But cheers. And speaking of lucky, um, Ooh. we should... What? The so drink? So good, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Your favorite ever? Aging on cherries? Hell fucking yeah. I'm, in, I'm into it. I was it. just going to say, that I would like to age on cherries. Look at it, as though. I get Aged older. on cherries. Yeah, I don't know why. Looks, I, I'm not even means. pointing to it. Aged on cherries. Yeah, it's weird. I love I cherries. Know. Like, anything cherry flavored, except like Robitussin. I don't like that. But anything else flavored cherry, I will eat, drink, absorb, That's my devour. favorite artificial flavor me too Cherry. i think me too yeah have you Cherry. ever had a cascara latte from starbucks not dunkin donuts 
Oh, because Dunkin' Donuts doesn't have cascara. Sweetie, hmm. do Anyways. I look like a peasant? No, Any, I'm not. We're not bringing this to 2022. Like, yeah, let's not. We're not because doing you're that. the peasant and I am not. And I'm not I, ordering. Oh. I sit here with a Dunkin' uh, Donuts. Uh, okay. <laughs> Listen, a Dunkin' Donut. Annie so, will know this too listening. There's a Dunkin' Donut that just opened in my hometown. My hometown is losing their shit. There's a drive-through line. And why? Why long. do we think? Why, why do we think that is? Why well, do we think guess that what, is? Darren? There's a Starbucks opening in town. That's right. My hometown of Cumberland, Maryland, is finally on the map with a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks. I mean, and when that Starbucks opens, you're going to be eating your donut words. Yeah. Okay? Well, you're the one sitting there with a Dunkin' Donuts bag. And so all I'm saying is, 22 is definitely my lucky <laughs> number. Definitely my lucky year. I'm already starting right. this off with a win. I, I feel pretty mm. good about it. All right, let's. Let, let, mom and dad don't need to fight at the top of the year. You know what I mean? Let's let's, let's get in. Let's, let's get into someone who probably yeah. isn't as lucky as us. Before we continue, we wanted to tell you guys about this incredible service that we absolutely love and who are sponsoring today's episode. Surfshark VPN keeps your online identity safe by encrypting all of the information sent between your device and the internet. This keeps your personal data protected from big companies or cyber criminals. One really cool thing that Surfshark can do is change your virtual location on your devices. This gives you the chance to access and unblock content libraries and streaming services from other countries, like all of the Netflix libraries. Masking your IP address is essential to becoming private online. A VPN makes sure that your city, your country, and download history aren't linked to your own identity. Surfshark liberates your internet by unblocking blocked websites and bypassing geo-restrictions. Internet censorship will be a thing of the past with Surfshark. Surfshark does not monitor, track, or store what you do online. That means no connection or activity logs. It's just an incredible company doing incredible things to make sure that we're all safe with how we browse the internet. And take our word for it, you want Surfshark. And are you ready for this? You guys listening are going to get an incredible deal. Go to surfshark.com slash shaken and use code shaken to get 83% off plus three months extra for free. This is honestly one of the best deals that we've ever even had on our show. So for 83% off plus three extra months free, go to surfshark.com slash shaken and use code shaken and secure your internet browsing experience today. Well, in 1975, Stephen Port was born in Essex, United Kingdom. I have never been there. I'm a huge Anglophile. My best friend, uh, Andrew, lives oh, in... Oh, are uh, you? Oh, hey, Are Brit? you? Uh, he a Brit? That's, that's a little more... See, you spent time in Australia, so that's a little more of an Australian thickness. Give me your, give me, give me your cockney accent. Don't say thickness. <laughs> that's... A new rule of 2022 is oh John is not allowed to say thickness. We're that's 10 off minutes the table. in and I've, I've gotten one sentence of our case in. Um, yep. Well, first of all, you know that my British accent is very well because I've, I've listened to the Spice Girls. Oh, it's brilliant. I've listen- uh, it's very brilliant, I must say. I've listened to the Spice Girls. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I oh, love the Harry Beatles. Potter. How about that? Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a mess. Anyway, okay, let's People go. are like, isn't this a true crime podcast? Anyway. They thought. Yeah. That's right. So Stephen Port, Essex, United Kingdom. When he was only a year old, his parents moved to East London, where his father worked as a cleaner and his mother worked as a cashier in a supermarket. At 16 years old, Stephen enrolled in art school. However, his parents were unable to afford the expense, so Stephen was forced to shift career goals and trained as a chef for basically two years. Cool. After school. Yeah, after school, which, by the way, that happens a lot. You know, like you have these big artistic dreams and then kind of you get into it and it's like, okay, maybe not going to work out, unfortunately. 
Um, after school, Stephen found work locally, working in kitchens and catering events and weddings, before he finally found a job he enjoyed at a bus depot, actually, cooking for bus drivers and depot staff, which isn't something you would typically hear people being excited about. So it's kind of cool that, you know, he found some kind of interest in that. I'm sure you have this uh, side note, maybe on the way. My grandmother, my mom's mom, used to live kind of right outside Albany, where my mom used to grow up in Amsterdam. Okay. And it was like a three-hour ride. And every year, for, like on Christmas, or Christmas Eve, rather, around Christmas or whatever, my mom would drive us up to see my grandmother. But my grandfather passed away when I was one, so she was mm. living up there alone. And Wait, I'm sorry. Up- I don't want to interrupt you. What were you saying about Amsterdam? I heard Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam, New York is where my mom grew up. Oh, got it. I'm it's like, like, a, it's like a little Amsterdam. town kind of outside Albany for got anyone okay. that, that matters. I know. I always have to clarify that. So I usually no, say yeah, no, Albany. No. But anyway, it's like three hours. And on the sure. highways that you go, uh, uh-huh. you know, you get those little like stopovers yeah. that have like Arby's, Wendy's, the bathroom, sure. uh, a little toy thing for kids. A Starbucks and not a, a Starbucks. Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And my mom was saying when she was growing up, when she was, you know, basically in her in her teens, essentially, uh, that's where she worked uh, at one of these like side stations. And, you know, she she like a short order cook and she learned to like flip burgers, do all this stuff. And when she was like kind of in the ice cream uh, thing, Ooh, she was like, I'd there. never skimp anyone. I would always double scoop. She would, you know, they always taught her how to use uh, like air in her scoops. And she was like, absolutely not. Like I'm giving the kids what they want. So it was kind of really nice to uh, just hear that little side thing about my mom. But I imagine that this is kind of what Steven was doing as well. So it's a really cool job that you can learn very, very quickly. Wow. That sounds incredible. Your mom, again, just your mom's an amazing person. Yeah, She again. wins. She doesn't want to skimp the children. She just wins. <laughs> she wins at life. Love that about her. By the way, if you've got a small business, you know that there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. And whether it's the postcards that we just sent to so many of you guys listening this holiday season or just general paperwork that needs done, a lot of stamps are getting used to keep shaken and disturbed up and running, believe me. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer, no special supplies or equipment are needed and within minutes you're up and running printing official postage for any letter any package anywhere you want to send and you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from usps and ups once your mail is ready just schedule a pickup or drop it off no traffic no lines save time and money with stamps.com and there's no risk and with our promo code shaken you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts it's amazing just go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in shaken that's stamps.com promo code shaken stamps.com never go to the post office again so back to steven here in his mid-20s he came out as gay and in 2000 stick 2000 sticks oh i don't think oh, that's does a the real... gay thing trip you up a little bit do you not like gay people uh, gay people, what are we doing with Ooh, these gay gr- folks? Gross. 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 I'm never going to, this is, is this the new 199 day, 2000 sticks? Yeah, 2000 sticks. You're like I confusing mean... your southern and British accent? In 2000 sticks, <laughs> oh, I dear. was working as a short order cook. 
I don't even know what accent that is. All right. Yeah, I don't know where you went with that one, but I like it. We're three sentences in. Let's go. What is happening? Okay. In 2006, Stephen moved out of his parents' house and into a small apartment near the town where he'd grown up. The move into his own space gave Stephen a lot of new freedoms. By the way, this is what happens with many gay people, but gay men, you know. For the first time, he was able to sort of host parties and invite people over to spend the night. I mean, listen, I grew up in a small town lived at home my family was accepting but you know i knew that i was like ready to go have my own place and i'll never forget like this exact these exact moments not necessarily the the partners i'm just saying like having friends over and like freedom. dinner parties and freedom exactly especially Although, because go I, ahead, was, yeah. I was gonna say that i heard a term today that reminded me of what? you a little bit and how we are how about you and i are now where it's like in our 20s, we were like out partying and now how you and I are just like, we just want a night at home. Mm, and it was yeah. Glennon Doyle who does a podcast. We do hard that things. And yeah, yeah. she's married to Abby Wambach, who is a uh, U.S. Okay. soccer player. And she was quote unquote straight forever, then came out, divorced her oh. husband. Like there was a lot of stuff going on, but she described herself as a homosexual. Which Love I, it. which I very much so for Thank now. You. That's me. Yes. Say no more. Homosexual for sure. That is you and I. We are homosexuals. Thank you. Done. Thank Thank you, Glennon Doyle. I was just going to say thank you for that. Well, Stephen's behavior grew somewhat self-centered. He started taking drugs. He was cheating on his partners and even working as an escort at this point. He began to abuse drugs, um, specifically the drug GHB, which is commonly used as a date rape drug. That's Um, correct. But you can... I know people who have used this recreationally um, and not just in sort of this, I mean, not that it's great, but not as just an exclusive date rape drug, but it definitely is used as a date rape drug. Well, it's apparently, and maybe you can speak more to this, a depressive that's sort of used to treat narcolepsy Mm -hmm. and it sort of induces feelings of euphoria and increases a sex drive, but can also lead to um, unconsciousness unconsciousness or death or you know things like that when taken in larger amounts specifically for the record i've never taken it i know people that do take it but as a date rape drug goes inducing feelings of euphoria and unconsciousness and increasing sex drive would make sense right yes and steven started behaving in an increasingly childlike way staying home to watch cartoons he was now a home sexual as well yes and visiting children's toy stores to buy toys, which he would place on a shelf above his bed. So it really sounds to me, I mean, obviously we're giving you the details and the research that we know here, but it does sound like there was something cognitively changing with him. Uh, whether or not that's mental illness specifically, I don't know. I can't, I'm not a doctor. I won't diagnose that. But you have to wonder if there's some sort of like cognitive decline, as my therapist would say. Yeah, hard to say if it's something related to the drugs or specific to the drugs. But as the popularity of social media began to rise, Steven seemed to retreat from the world. I kind of understand this to a little (laughs) little bit of an extent, but he joined several different social networks and used them in questionable ways, sometimes using other people's pictures on his own profile. Uh, I was lucky enough, John, you and I were lucky enough to actually talk to to Neve Shulman on Betrayal with Darren Karp, who's obviously the host of Catfish. And uh, Neve kind of created that. As a, as a catch-all term, or literally popularized the term. He didn't create it, but sure. he got catfished years ago, created this mm-hmm. documentary about it, and then the MTV show K-1000 
came. So this is why, uh, you know, meeting on the Internet can be a little bit precarious for some people. And can I say so myself, if you don't mind me jumping in here, that episode of Betrayal with Darren Karp, which you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts, with Neve was so fascinating because he the episode that you guys talk about that I, of course, was helping produce in the background um, is so incredible in terms of like the the amount of catfishing that happened and what happens and like I wasn't sure what Neve was going to contribute but then like halfway through the episode I'm like oh my god no he understands catfishing to a degree that not, that even like I somebody who is like aware of what catfishing is would never have thought of so you guys had such a great conversation and it is thank you and it really is a good conversation because for me although I have never been catfished and I've never mm-hmm. catfished I sort of understand both sides. Like, I get wanting to hide behind, pretending to be someone you're not if you're not comfortable in who you are. And not necessarily for any malicious intent in any sort of way. Certainly, I'm not encouraging people. I don't really understand people who steal money from other people and ruin their lives. But in a romantic interest, I don't know. I have empathy uh, for these things. I feel like there's so much insecurity in someone if they get to a point where they have to catfish, right? And yeah. you do have there's an empathy towards self-esteem that I have for that. I totally I totally agree. But with on you the other that. side, you know, the people who aren't catfishing who yeah. let the relationship the... go on for three years and they don't bother to either well, double check true, true. Or, or meet people. It's like, I understand that too. And I think it's yep. really easy to judge on the outside of being like, gee, what an idiot for not seeing it. But like I don't yeah. know. Humans are very nuanced and they're very fragile. Anyway, Especially with their romantic, you know, interests. So. Well, let's see how this does with Steven. Yeah. Steven would even create accounts full of fictional bio information using other people's photos. So full on catfishing here. His, his, yeah. his main focus on these sites was dating. Seeking out young, thin looking men in their teens and early 20s. Oh dear. This is not uncommon, specifically in the gay community. I mean, I know, like... Youth yeah. is very much so. Um, I think actually, and not even just the gay community. I think probably in, in general, youth is probably looked at as a good thing. But um, Stephen made a habit of entering into relationships with these young men before encouraging them to begin engaging in sex work. So it almost seems like he's a pimp in a way. Yeah, and like, but in in the sense too, like, let's not forget we're not downplaying sex work in general. But I think there is now you're sort of seeing the details around this behavior that is not necessarily you know healthy. positive or healthy yeah exactly. yeah because uh, we believe on shaken and disturbed that sex work uh yeah. certainly when it's done work. as long as as not only is it work it's a legitimate job it's a great profession and as long as everyone's being safe and it's consensual it is a perfectly legitimate profession to have absolutely yeah well steven would then create escort bios on his own phone for each of these quote-unquote boyfriends and kind of begin pimping them out so he really yeah. is this you know and Stephen yeah. also had a, had a habit of searching for date rape porn. Oh, dear. Now, let me just stop you right there before we continue. And I just want to say some people, and Dan Savage, Dan Savage calls this a ravishing fantasy. There are women who sexually fantasize about mm-hmm. being raped. That has nothing to do with them wanting to be raped in actuality. Actually raped. exactly. But yeah. sexual arousal is sometimes a lot different than what you want in reality. And so... No judgment uh, for anyone that might have this sort of ravishment um, uh, idea interest in, in, yeah. interest in their minds. But I would just it, say, we, you know, we're, we we are going to talk about it in a in a negative way. way. Yes, yeah, yes. Right. I just mean like in your mind, there are and it's a perfectly normal feeling to have. This is not sure. a sign of anything. But yeah. 
In early 2012, Stephen met a young male student on Grindr, picked him up from the train station, and brought him to his apartment. Once mm. they were alone, and Grindr is strictly guys, right? You never see women on there, right? This is, I, I was like, how am I going to approach this topic on the show today? Sweetie. But yes. Sweetie, is, you're a gay man. I, you know what Grindr is. I can weigh in on Grindr. No problems there at all. Yes, it is. I mean, well, let me say this. I will say in 2012, it was definitely all men. However, you know, in recent times, I may have jumped on Grindr. For, uh, you know, I can't confirm or deny such things. Uh. But I will say there are, it does seem to be more uh, trans-inclusive and different non-binary and different kind of gender expressions nowadays, which... So that's good. And what about, like, maybe a heterosexual... Well, when I say heterosexual, what about a couple that presents heterosexually that might want a male play partner? Does that also happen, That does happen. I mean, it's okay. extremely rare in my own very new... Like, I don't... Listen, I'm not on Grindr 24-7, but I do have an account. I... Don't really do use it for okay. sex, just to be clear. Well, sweetie, um, you're not cheating on me. I mean, we all know. <laughs> I know. We, we all know, know where your biscuit is buttered, sweetie. I have I have a father in my life. Her name is Darren, you know, yes. so I think it's fine. Um, or I should have said a husband. But anyway, that sounded weird, actually, now that I realize <laughs> I don't okay, need grinder no, for daddy problems. We're keep that in the show. We might need um, to have to yeah, edit all this out. Moving yeah. right along moving here. Moving right but along as quickly as possible. In a more serious tone. Now, once they were alone in yeah. the apartment, Stephen served his date a glass of wine, which the young man recalled as taste bitter, which I attributed to it being cheap. Uh, <laughs> once he'd finished the glass, the young man noticed some sludge in the bottom of his glass and a feeling oh, of God. exhausted dizziness. He went to go lay down in Stephen's bedroom and immediately fell asleep. The man... Woke up to Stephen raping him and immediately Ugh. fell back unconscious again. God, that's I can't even imagine Ugh. the psychological and physical terror. This doesn't yeah. even do it justice. But the following day, unfortunately, you know, thank God these things don't happen often. But especially with those social media dating apps, they can happen. They can happen easily. Yeah. So it's very important to kind of uh, make sure that people know where you're going, to be safe, to have oh, a phone. Yeah. Make sure that you tell multiple people what's going on with your life. So that way, in case anything happens, they you know they can be held accountable. Now, the sure. following day, Stephen drove the man back to the train station, acting as though nothing happened. Uh, and in early 2014, Stephen met a young Muslim man on an app called Fit Lads, whom he brought over to his house on five separate occasions. I've never heard of Fit Labs. Perhaps that's a British thing, a UK thing that we don't know about. Because that's a good point. Fit Lads sounds very say. British. Like, oh, you're so fit. We don't really say yeah. that in America. I was just going to say that. I'm, I, I didn't know if you would know what that is. But yeah, the, like instead of saying like hot, like we would in the United right. States, a lot of people say, oh, he's so fit. Right, there, he's so, so fit. Well, on the fifth visit, Stephen gave the man poppers, which he used before falling asleep. Poppers, for anyone that doesn't know, essentially, it's like a little bottle of almost what's like nail polish remover. And you can yeah. sniff it, and it sort of gives you this euphoric high for like 15 seconds. I was going to say, it's like super short, yeah. It's very much so popularized in the gay community as mm -hmm. kind of this party thing. It's not like a druggy, it's literally 15 seconds. It makes you flush. Uh, you know, it might, it might help open certain areas of people's orifices that might not have been as open before 
Um, wow, Darren really uh, taking the reins on I, this topic I, I do know what poppers are. I, 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 I am aware of these things. You have things, enough gay men in your life to know what that what that. What literally, like, there. all of my friends are gay. <laughs> yeah, and right. And I actually, boss and other people, at, yeah. I actually asked one of my good gay guy friends who's friends with Darren. I was like, can you explain to me, like, what poppers are, like, years ago? He's like, oh, honey. And then he walked me into Bodega, and we were, and he was like, you're going to sniff this popper right now on the street. And uh, I was like, okay. So I tried it, and I was like, great, done, 15 seconds, and now I'm over it. But it's essentially nail polish remover. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty I much it. Don't when know you said Darren just now, you're speaking of our mutual friend, Darren Goldberg, I'm assuming. Yes, who is a gay just guy. A but it wasn't yeah, Darren, it was his friend. But it was like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend, but it's a party thing. Well, when he woke it's back up. It's also associated, by the way, I should mention, it is associated with like, not not an older generation, but it's something that kind of came up through like the 80s and 90s as a way to A lot of drag of queens talk about it is how queens, I see it. A lot of yeah. drag queens talk about it, but like no one's going to be talking about like doing poppers. It's just there. Like I, I, it's yeah. not really, you can buy it at a bodega. This is not something that's right. like underground. It's just. A little thing. <laughs> right, but that's a great way. That's a good point, too, yes. When he woke back up, Stephen handed the man yeah. a glass, telling him it was water. But However, the man recollects, quote, as soon as I drank it, I went unconscious. The oh, next thing dear. I remember, I was on the floor screaming and shouting. It was like I was going mad. And the man realized that his underwear had been removed, and he started to panic. Gosh. Stephen helped him back to the train station, but once on the train, the man recalled continuing to scream and shout. I mean, it's pretty clear at this point with the descriptions we're giving what is going on here, right? Like, this guy has a method to his madness, you know, multiple victims. You know, no one's been murdered as of now, but, like, you know, there's a lot of, let's say, unsavory and illegal activity happening here. Did you see Which, Promising Young Woman? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So it's basically about a woman who kind of, like catches because I think it's her roommate who was raped she catch she mm. pretends to get drunk uh, and prints to drink these drink when these guys try to date rape her but she doesn't she's sober and then she like kills them so it's oh, kind I, of this I like revenge yeah 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 so it kind of reminds me of like this woman yeah. uh, would come in Carrie Mulligan I can't remember who plays her I'm completely blanking but it's but she would come in and kind of do yeah. you know be the superhero in all of this well, good uh, for in a her. way what can anyway. say yeah. Well, the transport police arrived with an ambulance. However, the man declined medical in, uh, involvement because he didn't want his parents to know what he'd been up to, which in a way, you know, we've talked about sort of victim shaming and like the reason people don't report their, you know, sexual abuse or, or really men. any kind of a... Especially yeah, especially men. men is that they feel ashamed to what they are. And especially if this person, who knows if he's Muslim as well, he's probably very in the closet. And, yeah. you know, the culture around that and, and the societal standards around that is even deeper, unfortunately. And police brought Stephen in for questioning. He reportedly seemed, quote, worried and jittery, claiming that the man had arrived at his apartment in the same unhinged state and that he was only trying to help by taking him home. Well, both men were allowed to leave, and on June 15, 2014, Stephen contacted a man named Anthony Walgate through an escort app called Sleepy Boys and Ooh. offered to pay him 800 Great British Pounds, GBP, remember we're still in, uh, we're still in the UK, by the way, um, to stay the night at his apartment. So there's a lot of transactional stuff going on here, too, which is another... I feel like qualification of these types of predators. Like if you do this, you know, I'll give you this. If you come do this and the next thing you know, you know, there's something very illegal going on. I do wonder just as an aside, <clears throat> given the fact that both men were allowed to leave to your last point, um, yeah, to the if last this person. was a heterosexual thing, 
I wonder if the man would have been able, if Steven, let's say it was a woman who was, you know, thrashing and going crazy, uh, as you will, I wonder if he would have been let off the hook as easily. Um, And maybe that's the stigma of men kind of coming forward with their own sexual assault because people are like, how could that guy be raped? Or how could that guy, you know? And uh, we're all (laughs) human beings at the end of the day. I think women are mostly the victim, by and large. um, But that doesn't mean that it can't happen to men. Oh, for sure. And I will just say, you know, anecdotally from my own experience, being a gay man with tons of gay friends and being, you know, mid-30s, you know, the sad reality is that this isn't a unique story that we're telling you today. Right. I mean, it'll get it has its own unique details, which we'll get into. But I, I know a lot of people who have been on the re- receiving end of of this kind of crime. And it's really it's an unfortunate horrible. reality that so many face. Yeah. So then, okay, so back to this. On June 17th, just a few days later, Anthony spent the night at Stephen's apartment. And on June 19th, Anthony's body was discovered near a communal entrance outside of Stephen's apartment. Anthony's body was found propped in a sitting position. Stephen claimed to have found Anthony's body and called the police. Stephen told authorities that he believed his friend may have gotten too drunk or suffered a seizure and collapsed. Then why in the seated position, though? In the seated position. Anthony's body was inspected, and it was noted that his underwear were on backwards and inside out. So take that for what it's worth. Swabs were taken from Anthony's body, but none were submitted for DNA testing because there was, quote, nothing to suggest the victim had been assaulted, Mm. end quote. Okay, but especially in a sexual assault, like, how would you know? You know, like, I don't know. Anyway. Well, right. I mean, like, because the difference between... Sometimes, I I don't know how to say this. The difference between sex can be whether or not it's consensual or not. It could still be the same type of sex. It doesn't have to be the consent is what makes it a rape, not the violence necessarily of it. I mean, you can have violent, consensual sex, and you can have kind, nice, unconsensual sex, and one is rape and one is not. So, And again, I wonder if this had been a woman... If Anthony mm-hmm. was a woman, would they have swabbed for sexual assault in some sort of way? Exactly. Well, on June 26, Stephen was arrested after authorities learned he had hired Anthony as an escort. Stephen was charged with perverting the course of justice by lying in a statement to the police. He was released on bail, and on August 23rd, just a month or so later, a 22-year-old aspiring English teacher named Gabriel Kovari went to spend the night at Stephen's apartment. Can you guess where this might go? Gabriel was new to the United Kingdom and had only moved over from Slovakia a few months earlier. Well, on August 28th, Gabriel's body was found propped up in a sitting position near the street, near the wall of St. Margaret's Church graveyard. The graveyard was only about 500 meters from Stephen's apartment. Gee, I mean, he doesn't really... He doesn't really uh, move far from his home, huh? He's not even trying to hide it at this point. His body was found by a dog walker named Barbara Denham. And because Gabriel's body was found upright, the crime scene was declared not suspicious. So his body was not given a post-mortem exam. Are we kidding? What is happening? How is not being found upright not suspicious? That's suspicious. (laughs) Especially being young. It's very sus. It's It's very very sus. sus. Now, Gabriel's clothing was not seized, nor were any samples taken from his body. One of Gabriel's friends, Carl Camden, Camdon, it's hard to say that, Camdon, contacted police contacted police shortly after Gabriel's death with information. Gabriel had sent Carl photos from inside Stephen's apartment where he arrived there on August 23rd. 
smart always fucking do this especially when you're seeing someone totally I, I think I told the story of years ago maybe I told this I think I told this on Martinez and Murder years 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 ago like seven years yeah. ago I was going to meet yeah. a girl at her apartment for our first date on Tinder yeah. uh, she was sober so she didn't drink and so she 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 liked to smoke so she was like would you want to come over and smoke and obviously this was before weed was legal so we kind of had to you know uh, hide yeah. it and uh I remember not even really thinking about it because I was like, woman to woman, everything will be okay. Did the naive thing. And maybe an hour before I went over there, I texted Andy and I told him oh. where I was going because I was like, if you don't hear from me tomorrow, <laughs> I know that you're going to be the one to get the authorities more than anyone else. So, well, that's a good point. He will make something happen. That's absolutely true. I was like, if Andy wants something to happen, he will make it happen. So but, I told Andy, but yes, not a good but idea. But no, this to is do a that. great. Sorry to interrupt you. Yes. I was just saying it this is a great example cuz I have I have something like this too with a friend, you know, I was going on a date. Maybe it was something else, a little more um adult and you know, I have a, one oh. of my best friends who I message each and every time if it's like a brand new person and like let's face it, like I'll meet up at someone's place. Not always, especially not in New York City by the way, cuz I'm just like I feel like I'm going to get murdered there no matter what. But I will text him and be like, here's the location. Like, here's find my turn, find my friends on. Here's my iPhone passcode, you know. And it's just another layer of protection, you know, no matter what. And I think it's smart. I think everyone kind of needs a buddy system in that way, especially with online dating, because the anonymity, you know, I mean, this is this is sort of part of it. Well, Carl also tracked down Gabriel's boyfriend in Spain who had been contacted by Stephen online. Now, this information from Carl was all ignored by the police, it's important to say. On September 18th, 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth met Stephen and agreed to come for a visit. And two days later, on the 20th, Daniel's body was found in the same seated position. Oh, my God. Against St. Margaret's graveyard wall, this time with what happened to be a suicide note in his hand. The apparent suicide note implied that Daniel was responsible for the murder of Gabriel Kavari. Daniel's Hmm. body was also found by dog walker Barbara Denham, who told police, I was the same woman that found the other body a few weeks ago. (sighs) I found another young boy. Well, can I just say, well, first of all, that's crazy that... You know, she's just the neighborhood body finder. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I want to say, like, I've thought about this, how I would react if I were to see a body. Because Have I don't you know ever if seen you saw, a dead body? Have we discussed I this? mean, aside from, of course, a funeral, like, no. But you okay. have, haven't you? The first dead I body, think... I no, I don't think I've ever no. seen, like, a dead body outside of a funeral. But my first dead body I ever did see was my... Uh, eighth grade computer teacher oh. who was very young. She was like 37 um, and she oh. died. And I went to her funeral in this open casket and I touched her mm. and I was going into my freshman year of college. So I, I'm sorry, high school. So I was like 13, mm. 14. And she was the teacher I was with. I grew up in a suburb of Manhattan in New Jersey. And so she was the teacher I was with when September 11th actually happened. Ugh. So she was kind of very Miss Collins. I loved her. She was like a six foot four tall black woman who was fucking awesome you know i don't really know the specifics but i know that she needed like a liver and like heart transplant i think she had some congenital issue my parents might know more than i can kind of remember but i'll never forget the day of seeing her well yeah i mean it's it's a lot and i mean even as you know for kids i think it's like traumatizing i remember all the i went to my great-grandmother my great-grandfather and my great uncle's funerals all before i was like eight years old and I have yeah. very vivid memories of them 
So yeah, it's, it's very a lot. Odd. But I just I always wonder like because I ride my bike along a path here in Maryland. And I made a jokey TikTok, you might have seen it, of like how suspicious and sussy like all the different corners of the path were. And then I found like random jeans, by the way, like just laying, like literally after I was done making the TikTok. I'm like, whose jeans are these in the middle of the the road? But I kept thinking like, what if I actually did see a body? Like, I think I would be very traumatized personally. But anyway, let's get back to the story. Well, detectives did seize a great deal of evidence from this crime scene. Daniel's body was found on a bed sheet and a bottle of drugs were found in his pocket. Police took all the evidence from the scene as well as uh, swabbing all of Daniel's clothing. However, none of the evidence was ever processed and the note was apparently taken at face value by the police. It was later found that every piece of evidence at the scene contained sets of Stephen's fingerprints. This is just shitty policing. This is just shitty policing. This is, it is sheer luck for Steven and shitty policing by these guys. And it's like, is anyone taking note of the the way these bodies are being found? I mean, you don't need to be a, a, a professional to understand that this is a very common, you know, like behavioral thing that's going on here. Well, and it's vic- very important. And, and we keep saying it. But for me, like the the motive needs to shift. I think in the public as well as in the police of not of yes solving the case but solving the case the right way you know you don't want to just take this like oh we solved 20 murders you only yeah. solve 20 murders by saying that you solved 20 murders that doesn't mean you actually solved anything it doesn't mean you actually yeah. put anyone away it doesn't mean that you caught the right person or that you did if the if the goal is to solve the case as opposed to finding the right person we're gonna get a lot more of lazy police work going forward Oh, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. And we, we see that in so many of the cases that we cover, both on the show and otherwise. Well, on March 23rd, 2015, Stephen pled guilty to perverting the course of justice for lying to the police during the investigation into Anthony Walgate's death. He was sentenced to, are you ready for this? Eight months in prison before being released with an electronic monitor. Jesus. Anyway, on September 13th. Eight, I mean, like eight months in prison, like... What is happening? So he's out of prison now. On September 13th, Stephen met a 25-year-old man named Jack Taylor on Grindr in the very early hours of the morning. Jack traveled to meet Stephen at his apartment. By the way, this is another thing. If you're going to be using these apps, just remember, if people are awake and looking to meet up with you at like 5 a.m., yeah, just take a little bit of precaution. You know what I mean? They're probably don't have a day job. Not that that matters, but I'm just saying add some of this circumstantial evidence up into in your head. Well, the next day on September 14th, Jack's body was found next to the same wall at St. Margaret's graveyard propped up in the same position. I almost don't blame Stephen cuz he's gotten away with it already. He's gotten right. away with it, so just keep doing Why what you're doing. He, what's it's not gonna, broken, yeah. don't fix it. Well, police failed to see any similarity between Jack's death and the deaths of Anthony, Gabriel, and Daniel. Jack's sisters, Donna and Jenny, had to continually beg authorities to look at potential links between the cases. Jack's sisters were particularly suspicious of the fact that Jack had been found with drugs in his system, GHB specifically. Jack wanted to be a police officer and was vehemently anti-drugs. So that is a great indication of like... He would never do that. You know what I mean? Like, this is when right, it's like, I know forced. my brother. Exactly. I know my brother. I know what he's capable of. I know what his, his motives were. Him having GHB in his system, not not normal. Well, on October 15th, a detective working on Anthony's murder case happened to see a CCTV printout that showed Stephen walking with Jack at the train station shortly before Jack's death. 
So, uh-huh. okay. regardless so, of if he's the killer or not, he is one of the last people to have seen him. At he's the very placed least. near the scene with the right. victim. Right. The detective recognized Stephen as the mystery man who Anthony had seen had been seen with too. Another detective recognized Stephen as appearing in Gabriel's murder investigation. On October 13th, 2015, Stephen was arrested again on suspicion of having murdered Anthony, Gabriel, Daniel, and Jack. Did it take all of this to make it happen? Okay, but that's and fine. W- and by chance, uh, the CCTV <sighs> yeah. printout. Right, you know, by complete that was it. chance, yeah. Stephen was interviewed repeatedly over the next four days. He stuck to his story about Anthony's death and denied knowing any of the three other men or ever using GHB. Stephen did make mention of having met Daniel at a sex party on one occasion, but denied knowing anything more about him or the suicide note. Well, on October 18th, 2015, Stephen was charged with the murders of all four men. The arrest was highly publicized by the media, which drew out more of Stephen's victims. Uh, eight men came forward with stories of meeting Stephen online mm. and returning to his apartment where they were drugged and assaulted. I guess those are lucky victims. It's uh, yeah, unclear really. of if they evaded murder or he didn't kill everyone. Yeah. It's kind of hard to know Stephen's motive here. In every account, the men reported Stephen either drugging their drinks or injecting mm. them with a syringe. And by the time Stephen was brought to trial, he faced 29 charges in total and was accused of having assaulted seven of the men, including four instances of rape. All the evidence found at the crime scenes was finally analyzed. Thankfully, finally, yeah. And a handwriting expert compared Daniel's suicide note to his own handwriting and determined he had not written the note himself. The writing was then compared to Stephen's, and it was determined to be a pretty close match. Hmm. And additionally, it was found that the paper the note was written on and the plastic sleeve it had been found in were both from Stephen's apartment. The sheet found with Daniel's body was determined to have been pulled from Stephen's bed. Stephen's electronic devices were seized and searched over the course of the investigation. I was just going to say, yeah. On one of Stephen's cell phones, detectives were shocked to find 83 homemade videos of Stephen and others having sex with unconscious men. Uh. Stephen agreed to take the stand and testify his own behalf. When asked about the sex tapes, he stated that they depicted the end of quite a few hours of normal sex, nothing more. I don't even, it's like, it's making me so uncomfortable. And I think it is because, you know, being a gay man living in New York City, you know, you you you, you come across some shady characters, you know, and ugh, it's just really unsettling to hear these well, details. What I don't get, though, is like, He's got 83 homemade videos of him having sex with unconscious men. And then his thing is like, oh, well, they were just tired because we've had sex. We've had sex for so long. And I'm like, well. That's not an excuse. If I know men, they're what? Three seconds, Sally's? So no. Uh, (laughs) And and two, so they're unconscious and it's okay to keep fucking them? I'm confused. Of course. I mean, this is the problem. How is that in defense? Yeah, it's not. It's disgusting. And throughout his testimony, Stephen appeared to lose his grip on reality. Well, I think he lost his grip on reality years prior, well, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. He claimed that on the night of Gabriel's death, Gabriel attended a sex party with Daniel, and Stephen had written Daniel's suicide note, but claimed that Daniel had dictated it to him. Okay. No. He claimed that Jack, the aspiring police officer, took numerous drugs and wanted to have sex outside by the church wall where his body was later found. Stephen also admitted to lying to the police about the four deaths, stating, quote, the truth sounded like a lie, so I lied to make it sound like the truth, end quote. It's grasping at straws for any type of... Yeah. 
Yeah, he's trying to find a way out again. So Tim Duffield, one of the lead investigators on the case, described Stephen as, quote, one of the most dangerous individuals I've ever encountered. He's a voracious sexual predator who appears to have been fixated, nay, obsessed with surreptitiously drugging young, often vulnerable men for the exclusive purpose of rape. This is a highly devious, manipulative, and self-obsessed individual. Sounds about right. Yeah, I, mean, I hope no one ever describes me this way. Let's put it that way. Because, like, those words were, like, you know, very British and proper. I, 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 <laughs> it was interesting to hear someone describe someone that way. But yeah. on November 23rd, 2016, so now we're just only really a few years ago, Stephen was found guilty of the assaults, rapes, and murders of Anthony, Gabriel, Daniel, and Jack. Stephen was also found guilty of the rapes of three other victims, 10 counts of administering a substance with intent, and four counts of sexual assault. In total, 11 victims were granted justice when Stephen was convicted. On November 25th, 2016, Stephen was issued a sentence of life in prison for the four murders and numerous counts of assault. And, you know, that's the story. But it also makes me wonder, think about other other people who may not have come forward or like maybe there wasn't digital evidence to sort of, you know, find out who his other victims could have been. Maybe there's even a thing where, like, you know, authorities reached out to potential victims and they were like, no, I don't want anything to do with this because they're ashamed, you know. But either way, he got life in prison and justice was served for these deaths and murders and rapes. And that, that there, at least there's some silver lining. Right? And I'm glad that's at least some of the victims, some of them, uh, totally. 11, I think you said got justice. But for me, yeah. and it's really hard to know this because it's really hard to pinpoint it. But for me, the interesting thing about this case is what caused Stephen to do this? You know, considering the fact that there was no motive, motive? we don't really think he was abused in any sort of way. I mean, we know he came out as gay for sure, but it doesn't really talk about him being bullied or anything like that. Um, It's really kind of hard to know if you're born that way or if you're, I think some, I think some murderers are made. I think that there are situations under which you can grow up in a really shitty household and be taught to be evil. And, not that you shouldn't take responsibility for your actions, but to some extent it might not be your fault uh, or you had no choice in the matter. But this seems like he's a just cold-blooded killer for the thrill. I mean, the killing part is what's so fascinating because it's one thing if you take it one to, to an, one level where you're like, okay, you're going to try poppers. Or then the next level is... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna date rape your I'm gonna put something in your drink and then see right. how that goes and then it's just like one step after the other, not that this is by any means a defense of him, but I do wonder and I think about this with all of the gay stories we've told over the years, which actually aren't even that many, but you know maybe there's a suppressed sexuality part that's coming into play here. I mean psychologically, you know we we we're learning now as our society in the United States comes to terms with sexuality that you know us gay people in the world have a different mindset going out into the world because for most of us we've we've gone through something we've had to come out we've had to come to terms with ourselves in a way that straight people don't and in this case maybe he had you know oppressive parents who you know that's mentally all possible pushed. yeah there's so many possibilities and especially when it comes to sexuality and sex crimes you do have to sort of think about both things and you know we've seen this um with people especially who kill sex workers sometimes it's yeah. like you yeah, know, exactly. and, and I'm blanking on the fucking name. On an example, never, but yeah. I, I I don't know why the Green River Killer comes to mind, but <laughs> but, to but mind, I don't maybe. I don't think it's him. But I remember one of them saying like, you know, I'm ridding society 
of the, oh, yeah. you know, the degenerates. So I'm killing these people in service of humanity. It's possible that Stephen was so ashamed of being gay mm-hmm. that he acted out and took it out on actual gay people. Unfortunately, we, we won't really know um, yeah. because clearly for me, at least, unless you're killing uh, for self-defense or in something where it's kind of a justified kind of killing or certainly an accidental death like the uh, truck driver who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his brakes failed and he killed, you know, 20 uh, people and he just got... What's the latest on that? We need to look into that. Uh, Jared Polis from Colorado community sentenced down to 10 years, yeah. thank God, uh, oh, which God, still doesn't okay. seem fair, but better from 100... years? But yeah. still better from 110, I sure. mean, which was a mandatory sure. minimum. And the guy, you know, it was... Obviously, Ugh. this guy's not a killer. It had nothing to do with his fault, but... what? You know, there's mandatory minimums and all of that shit is fucking terrible. I'm glad Polis did the right thing there and at least commuted it down so he can have a fucking life. But that's the governor outside you're of maybe about, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, Jared Polis. Um, I, I think it's a governor. Could be a senator. Somebody, I, I, yeah, governor. Okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm this fucking beer. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> We're a little bit of everywhere, but that's okay. But outside of any kind of, when I say justified killing, any sort of like self-defense or something like that, um, I will say I I feel pretty confident about there being a chemical imbalance or at least a mental illness factor in it where you assume that this is going to be what it's going to be. And um, I'm curious to see Stephen's parents and kind of the childhood that he grew up in. I mean, really the mind of a killer here is what's interesting. But we obviously want to know what you guys think. Obviously hit us up at Jay Thrasher at Carpe Darien on Instagram, on Twitter. Please join our Facebook group if you haven't already. We get new requests every day and I love seeing people part of this discord and you know oddly enough for people who talk about true crime and murder and rape it's probably the friendliest Facebook group I've ever been a part of in my whole life it Uh, It it brings me pure joy when I can see it it's wonderful and so I I love getting all of that and uh, we always like ending on a positive note and so I want to end on some listener shout outs here John I'm going to take the first one if it's okay by you Julie in our Facebook group posted, I have a bad phobia of flying, and the only thing keeping me sane in the air right now is listening to an NMR with mom and dad's hilarious and calming voices. (laughs) Well, Julie, totally understandable. Uh, This is a common fear, um, and I'm glad that me and John's soothing sounds of jazz can help you get through the, the flying and we hope you landed safely in whatever location that you were <laughs> Wherever you may be. Hopefully you're yes. somewhere warm and beachy, but, you know, we'll mm. see what happens. It's always funny when people say that we're hilarious and calming because, like, for me, those aren't the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, if someone's, if, if, I'm, if someone's making me laugh, I'm probably, like, in hysterics. You know what I mean? But yeah. But I, like, no. I like the way she, she said that. But there's that, a so comfort to there. I think that's probably yeah. what she meant. A familiar yeah. face and voice is helpful sometimes. I love that. I love when people think of us like that. It makes, us, it makes me feel like we're doing a great job. So that's yes. nice. Thank you, Julie. I also wanted to give our Patreon supporter, Megan, a little bit of a shout out today. She's going through a little bit of a tough time at the moment. I didn't want to share her whole story, but she did share some things with us, uh, Darren and I, in our Patreon inbox. And we just wanted to wish her well. So good, uh, you know, feel good, Megan. I'm sending you positive vibes out into the world. Amen, um, Megan. We're thinking of you. And by the way, if you didn't get a Patreon subscription and you want to message us with your life stories, um, now is the time to get it. Um, yes. Your support of us as independent creators keeps our show up and running. So we want to thank all of you who have already signed up. 
And for those of you who haven't yet, what are you doing? What's going on here? And I just want a little reminder, you can sign up for as little as $5 a month and you get tons of bonus content and access to everything we've already posted. You can subscribe annually, message us. You can save 15% too, so it's even cheaper if you kind of just right. pay the lump sum, if you will. Right, and then you don't have to worry about a monthly bill. Who wants that? Um, no but it does not. really help us keep the show going, and we're, we have some really exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks in particular. We're celebrating one year, Darren, in just a couple weeks. That's right. Got to blow ow, it up. Ow. That's right. And if you get a chance, rate, review, and subscribe uh, to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us. And, of course, we have to end with a nice little thank you to all the Megans out there, but specifically <laughs> to our Megan. Uh, you ready to do this, John? Go in ahead. three, two, one. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Miggy. Thanks, Miggy. Thanks, Miggy. She we hates love it. Megan. She definitely hates it. Uh, we, lo- we love her. I love you. We love you all. And we will hear you, see you, talk your ear off uh, in a week. Have a fantastic week, everybody. That's right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.